0: From him who is risen, from him who is the resurrection and the life, be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6 as we conclude our Lenten and Easter sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is our text. A few years ago, a Jesuit priest wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal right here, right at about the Easter season. And I want to quote from it a little bit lengthily this morning to start out the sermon because it is so thought-provoking and so pertinent to our thoughts for this day. I'm thinking about the resurrection of Jesus and thinking about how our treasure is stored up in heaven. He writes, When was the last time you felt stressed out by Easter? So much Easter shopping to do, so many Easter cards to write, so many Easter gatherings to attend, not to mention the endless stream of Easter commercials on television and online, the nearly unavoidable Easter-themed movies, and all those tacky Easter sweaters that you're forced to wear every spring. And don't forget the travails of setting up the annual Easter tree and stringing Easter lights on your house. Every year you lament how overly commercialized Easter has become. Can the holiday get any more money-oriented? You feel that way every year, don't you? Of course you don't. That is because Easter has stubbornly resisted the kind of commercialization, commodification, and general classification that long ago swallowed up the celebration of Christmas, at least in the United States. And he goes on to write, So, how has Easter, with some notable exceptions, like ever-expanding Easter baskets with more and more expensive gifts for kids, maintained its relative religious purity? Mainly, I would say, because of its subversive religious message. Christ is risen. And if you don't believe in the resurrection, you can go on living your life perhaps admiring Jesus the man, appreciating his example, and even putting into practice some of his teachings. At the same time, you can set aside those teachings that you disagree with or make you uncomfortable, say, forgiving your enemies, praying for your persecutors, living simply or helping the poor. You can set them aside because he's just another teacher. A great one, to be sure, but just one of many. If you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, however, everything changes. In that case, you cannot set aside any of his teachings, because a person who rises from the grave, who demonstrates his power over death, and who has definitively proven his divine authority needs to be listened to, What that person demands is a response. In short, the resurrection makes a claim on you. Here ends the Wall Street Journal. That's the thing about Easter. It gets your attention. Even the attention of those who do not believe but have to contend with the story of a risen Jesus Christ. To live beyond death has become a constant longing of humanity for as long as people have watched others grow old and die. For as long as we have seen others die too soon from sickness or from tragedy. The longing isn't just there at funerals either. All of us seem to run into that every now and then when we see the valley of the shadow of death come near to us in some way, shape, or form, and and we wonder even out loud about how much time we have to live. It brings to mind the five-year-old boy who was driving by the cemetery one day with his dad in the car and he saw a fresh grave with all the dirt covered on top and he said to his dad, Dad, look, that one got away. We might respond, well, no, little one, that one didn't just get away, it was just freshly put down. That little boy is going to learn what we have learned, that dogs and goldfish And plants and trees and grandmas and grandpas and friends and schoolmates, they all die. Some sooner, some later. Together, as if it were happening all over again, we all watched on Friday Jesus die a horrific death by crucifixion. And his death was made sure by a dagger right up into his side. They made sure he was stone-cold dead. He was dead, all right. And yesterday was the day of in-between, the day when we think about him lying there in the grave entombed, lifeless, breathless, blue, dead, a body with no companion on a Sabbath's rest. It was cold and dark in the sepulchre, Sadness and shock overwhelmed his followers, even though he'd told them three times and even more than that, I'm going to rise from the dead. He was pretty explicit about it, and yet they hid away and waited for Sunday to tend to his broken, lifeless body. And then, as the writers of the New Testament tell it, he did what no one else has ever done, He rose to life after dying, never to die again. Now we know that others throughout the course of Scripture did rise again, did rise from the dead, but they all died again. But not Jesus. He was raised and lives forever. And in so doing, he paved the way for us to do the same. And so we, like many in this world, do not have to doubt or treat Jesus like a good teacher. We state it as fact this morning. Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, and because he lives, we will live also. More than anything, Easter for us Christians means life beyond our graves. We believe, we confess every week in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. That is the center of our praise this Resurrection Day. Christ has paved the way for us to live forever in his presence with our risen, glorious, glorified bodies. And what a day and what a life it will be. And Easter means something else, too. This Jesus who came to life is the same Jesus who, as we heard this morning, said in his Sermon on the Mount that we are to lay up treasures in heaven which cannot be destroyed. This is the same Jesus who taught that our hearts need to be with heaven's treasures, not the treasures of this life. In other words, in the death-shattering light of Easter, we ought to be able to see clearly today what matters most. What matters most in our lives. In our lifespan, if our lifespan now extends beyond our death date, and we believe that it does, it's why we're here this morning, then our perspective changes drastically, doesn't it? Now that we, now what we treasure most is not our jobs or our homes or our retirement plan or our bank account. You know, a recession or a depression can wipe those out, all of them, literally in just days. What we treasure most is not our strong and healthy bodies. I'm wondering if you've noticed, like I have, that as hard as you work out and as much as you eat well, your body is deteriorating as it moves toward death, and I see that even more as I'm chasing after my grandchildren. There is no changing that. Maybe you were a 10 once in your life, But you will not be a 10 again until Christ comes in glory and your body is raised glorious to be like his. Then you will be a perfect 10 forever. And I wonder how much of our lives are spent, Marie Kondo notwithstanding, on things that will not last. Just last year in a report of the self-storage industry, it was reported that Americans now pay $38 billion, that's billion with a B, $38 billion a year to have someone else store up their earthly treasures. There are 50,000 self-storage facilities in the United States and it seems like as I drive around Orlando that half of them are here in this city. We do seem still to treasure what will not last. So what does matter the most? Jesus Christ matters most. He loved us enough to lay down his life for us. Yes, he could have come off of that cross, but he did not. Jesus took death down for us. He, he is our treasure in heaven. He is our first and our last priority. We live for him. We strive to be like him. We discipline ourselves to speak with him in prayer. We serve others in his name, the name of Jesus, the risen Christ. We invest in his purposes, in his causes. We give ourselves to what lasts forever. There was one retiring senior citizen who put it like this. I am done short-timing it as if I'll live only until I die. She said, if Jesus says I'm eternal, then I'm going to give myself to what is eternal. Amen to that. May her tribe increase. In Jesus' name, amen.